Coachella? Uh -huh. Okay. Or do you want to label the tape? Do you want to practice labeling the tape? Yeah. That was I'm Claire Coachella with. Yeah, with Jamie Manus. Jamie Manus. Yeah. Uh, today's October nineteenth. So wait, wait, wait. And then do you know you Cynthia Manus? No, I don't. Okay. Oh. From North Carolina originally. There's like some Texas Manuses that I don't know anything about. Okay. But apparently a guy with my same name was a minor player on the Chicago Bears. And I got an 8x10 manila envelope about three years ago with a guy like holding a football. <laughs> and some guy is like, hey, I don't know if this is James Manus that played on the 82 Bears, but I'm a big collector. Could you sign this? And so it was like, it took everything I could not to sign it and be just like, <laughs> best wishes, you know. <laughs> All You're, right. I know, but I didn't. I was like, that's not me. Okay. Well, um, to start this off, I am Claire Sella. I'm here with Jamie Maness. That's right. Uh, we are at the Spider House Ballroom in Austin, and it is October 19th. 2014. That's right. All right. Oh, and I'm Erica Lee, so I might jump in occasionally. All right. All right. So we hear you have some stories about when you first arrived in Austin. I do. I do. <clears throat> um, it probably, uh, if I, I should probably wind it back to the day before I got to Austin, which was September 10th, 1995. Um, I uh, the North Carolina native, and I uh, uh, left North Carolina in 1995. Uh, after saving money for a year and a half at a number of menial jobs and uh, graduated pretty aimlessly with some liberal arts degrees in, uh, in North Carolina and decided uh, I wanted to live someplace that wasn't cold, so score, and uh, also a place where I could play music, which was about the only thing that I did in college that was really fulfilling. And I also thought that Austin would have interesting people in it. So... Um, uh, hadn't done a lot of preparation. I had a subscription to the Austin American Statesman. I didn't even know what the Chronicle was, but I had like, I got the, the Statesman for a week and I was just like, well, this is a pretty generic looking town, but okay. The balance of my research for seeing what Austin looked like was repeated viewings of Slacker. And I thought that, okay, well, it's going to be the desert, right? But it didn't really look like the desert. And I'm like, well, parts of this just look like downtown Raleigh, capital of North Carolina, very close to where I'm from. And um, anyway, so I was like, well, here we go. And uh, saved some money, filled up my truck, packed everything in there, and started driving out. <clears throat> um, I'd never really driven more than about three or four hours at a clip. So uh, as I was heading out here, uh, you know, I uh, would kind of get this hypnosis thing happening where I would just sort of zone out and I'd just be like, I really just, I need to focus. And Did you do it straight uh, through? No, the first time I wound up in, all right, the first leg I got to Meridian, Mississippi. There's not much in Meridian, but it is the halfway point between Cary, North Carolina and Austin, Texas. I'm from Cary, North Carolina. Don't look it up. Anyway. Um, so once I got to Meridian, Mississippi, I was at, you know, a Motel 6 or a Super 8 or something like that. And uh, I was, uh, I probably drank too much at the time. I remember drinking a 40 of malt liquor and writing, you know, letters from the road uh, to, to friends and relatives and things like that for some reason. I, that seemed like a very romantic thing to do, but it was stupid. Anyway, I got up the next morning and decided to try to get to Texas um, in uh the second half. So I take this terrible, terrible 
wrong turn because of the hypnosis thing and wound up in uh, the French Quarter of New Orleans um, in a parade uh, with my truck behind a horse and carriage and everybody laughing at me. And there's like a second line and there's like, you know, there's drummers and everything and I'm completely freaking out. So I eventually stop at a convenience store where I notice that there's a full range of liquor available at 11 in the morning. And um, this, I'm just like, well, this is weird. Uh, but I, I, I stay on task, and the woman behind the counter uh, very, very pleasantly looks. She's um, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm really lost right now. Can you help me uh, get back to the highway? And she puts the rag down. She was wiping the wiping the uh, the counter with. She's like, "Oh, baby, you lost, ain't you? I tell you what, you drive out on Domain and you take a right and get on on I ten and you just keep going down that road, okay?" And I'm like, "All right, great." So I, I screw it up again, and then I get back on I ten and I get going down I ten. So it's getting near like. It's getting to be about 10 o'clock at night. I finally find my way, and I'm so tired. The kind of hypnosis thing is setting in. I'm, it's so, I'm getting so tired that um, I see the Texas state line. I'm very excited by that. I'm just like, you know, I just yell and scream from inside my, the cab of my, uh, my truck. And, um, but then I start getting really, really tired, and I say to myself, okay, once I get to Beaumont, I'm going to stop and then I'm going to get in a hotel. I was so tired I drove through Beaumont and didn't realize that I was in Beaumont. So I'm getting kind of panicky and I'm having a hard time like focusing on the windshield and on the road and I'm just like, oh my God, what, what's going on? And um, so I pull over in this tiny little town called Winnie, W-I-N-N-I-E, like Winnie the Pooh. I uh, stop in Winnie and it's a, a combination motor lodge and... Um, uh, diner, and um, there's it's extremely humble. Um, <laughs> there's a uh, I, I get one room, and um, a very tiny, quiet Indian man uh, was was running the place. And um, you know, I get in my room and I thank him, and uh, I go to the I knock on his door because there's no soap or um, uh, shampoo. You know, I need to take a shower, and. Uh, and he's like, all right, I'll be there in a minute. It's like, okay. So, um, so I'm waiting in my room for a little while. And there's a knock at the door. And he's like, would you go get a plastic cup? And I said, okay, sure. <laughs> so I go get a plastic cup. And from behind his back, he pulls out this giant bottle of shampoo and proceeds to squeeze the bottle of shampoo into the cup, like a 16-ounce solo cup filled with shampoo and it's go it's happening and I'm just going oh, that that's fine that's more than enough I just I'm just taking one shower but he's just maintaining eye contact squeezing the shampoo into that fills it off fills it tops me off with shampoo and then he leaves and I'm just like that was really weird so then I just use a little bit of shampoo and I take a shower and I go to bed I wake up the next morning and there's a wedding in the diner completely out of nowhere. There's rice being thrown and you know the newlyweds are getting into like a Toyota or something like that and then they drive away and um, uh, you know I have a greasy breakfast and uh, and I start driving towards Austin. So it's September 11th which at the time did not mean anything. 
It was 9-11-95. It just that doesn't mean anything other than that was what the calendar said when I got into town. So, um, so I'm going into... Um, I don't know Austin at all at this point. I'd never been here. I moved here sight unseen. Like I said, I just watched Slacker, and I had a subscription to the Statesman. And um, so I, I think I came in on 71. I think that's where I was. I remember vaguely seeing the Catfish Station, Cherry Creek Catfish Station restaurant. Catfish Parlor. Yeah, Catfish Parlor. And so... I'm a little panicky because I don't exactly know where my friends live, and they live. They told me they lived up off of North Lamar, and uh, uh, there's a, there's apparently a Whataburger nearby or something like that. So it's like I don't know what that is either. So um, I'm I'm lost, and I just want to make sure I'm heading the right direction because New Orleans was so traumatic after getting lost two or three times there in broad daylight. I finally, I just wanted to make sure I was going to the right place. So I pull into a convenience store, uh, kind of near the Cherry Creek Catfish Parlor, whatever it was. And uh, back then there wasn't, you know, there, there weren't like strip malls or anything. There were just these, you know, vague little pockets of civilization all down through there. And um, I get in there, I get some directions, and I come back out, and there's, uh, there's a FedEx truck outside. And we're, we're parked right next to one another. And I look over, and there's, a, uh, there's this incredibly striking African-American woman who's like seven feet tall. And she looks over at me. She's wearing sunglasses, and she's got this giant smile. And she's like, I'm happy. And I said, why, why are you happy? And she's like, it's Friday, and Monday's a holiday. And I was like, all right. You have a good one. She's like, all right. So... She drives off. I'm like, that was cool. That was, that was all right. So um, I find my way back to, I finally find my way to where my friends are. And it's, uh, it's one of the hottest days I'd ever experienced. I remember I loaded my stuff out of my truck, all my records, everything else. I remember drinking like two or three big gulps and never having to use the bathroom. I was, I was sweating so much. And... Uh, you know, I, I remember. Uh, I don't remember much about going to sleep that night, but uh, the the one other thing that uh, stuck out in my mind after uh, after that particular after that day, the giant woman in the FedEx truck. I remember that, and just that there there being this. I remember being very impressed by the openness and friendliness of people here, and just the willingness to just talk to strangers. The, uh, the one other thing that really stuck out in my mind was the next day I was getting to know the street, I mean, the, getting to know the city, and I took a bus downtown, and um, I was trying to get a bus to go down towards Mopac, and um, I missed it. It was just like a bus going down 6th Street, and I, I'm running after the bus, and I was a heavy smoker at the time, so I probably got about 40 feet and uh, gave up, and <laughs> then... Right after that happened, the bus is going away, and I'm just like, ah, I missed the bus. A really clean-cut, normal-looking guy pulls over in like a, a, you know, like a Bronco, like a white SUV, and he says, hey, man, did you just miss that bus? And I was like, yeah, I did just miss that bus. And he's like, well, get in, man. I'll give you a ride down to the next bus stop. I hate that. I hate when that happens to people. Man, that's terrible. And I was like... 
you know, I don't know. It just seemed like it was an okay thing to do. So I got into his uh, truck and we chatted a little bit and he dropped me off the next bus stop and I caught the bus and oh, I, I went down to Waterloo Records to look at records. That's what I was doing. So, yeah. That's the first uh, 48 hours I was in Austin. Okay. Is that long enough? Do you need more time? Yeah. Well, four minutes. Four do you still minutes. live in Austin now? I do still live in Austin. I guess you haven't done a lot of facilitating. I'm sorry. I just sort of went off there. But, oh, uh, no, yeah. it's okay. Oh, all right. That's what we want. Um, so, have you lived in Austin since? Then? Yes. No breaks. Yes, yeah, since 95. And um, has it changed at all? Yes, absolutely. Um, uh Probably uh, lots more traffic, lots more people, lots more um, young people. But I'm um, I'm of two minds because I don't really I, I really hate when you know people who've already had a pretty good time here complain about how it's not fun anymore or something like that because. You know, it's one of those like you know, it's like surfers. You know, they're always like, "Oh, you should have been here yesterday." That's when it was. That's when the waves were great, and that's when everything was fine. There's plenty of room here, and there's plenty of energy here for people to do whatever they want to do. You know, and I don't. I think this whole idea of, um, you know, people saying, "Oh, this is played out," or "This is lame." Maybe that's true, or maybe that's maybe like when economics really come to the fore, like in. San Francisco or something like that when there's such a division between like the desirable parts and the not so desirable parts I don't know I don't know um, I love this but I love Austin I bought a house in 2007 in East Austin which has really changed in the last uh, 10 years uh, I've lived over there since 2000 so that's been extremely dr uh, drastic as far as how things have changed uh, racially absolutely um, and also just the general feel of the place and just the just uh, volume of people, you know. There's stoplights and stop signs that you didn't used to have to wait at, you know, so, yeah. What are some of your favorite places that, you know, still have that energy, that Austin energy, similar to when you came here in 95, that have maintained that? That's a really good question. Um, I think it probably has just been driven into little pockets that you'll find in places that are already there. That you know, it's been it's been pushed into this. I think it's not really located in spots so much anymore. Um, I think there's a little bit of that feeling in uh, East Austin at the sort of bleeding edge. But um, do you have some examples? Where do you go? Well, um, I'm a musician, so I play, I've pretty much played in every club in town. Um, uh, I would say, like, some of the places in East Austin, like uh, the White Horse or the uh, Hotel Vegas or places like that, have a, that sort of, at least some of that youthful energy, but I don't know that they're really Austin authentic. I think they're places that could be in Brooklyn and could be in any other place where there are young people with a will and means and money. You know, I don't necessarily, I mean, my ultimate experience like that was when Emos used to be at Six and Red River. I went down to see this band, The Bad Livers Play, who were like this bluegrass trio, and they were doing like Motorhead and Black Sabbath and Black Flag, you know, all these punk rock covers, and there were hippies there, and there were punk rockers there, and there were frat people there, and it was everybody, and I'd never experienced that anywhere. So um, I think there's little bits of that, depending on the night in East Austin. But um, yeah, not as much as 
not as a big con of a concentration as that. I think that's a good place to stop. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, thank you. All right.